Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I'm your host. I am here with our executive producer and co-host, Mark Griffith. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Housing Hour. Excited to have you for a show full of good information. We hope we can provide some great insight into the mortgage industry for you today and help you understand um, all that there is to know about uh, different aspects of regulation and also what the the Donald is up to over in Washington and maybe get a little insight from our guest. Today we have uh, David Luna. We have David Luna on the line and he is with MortgageEducators.com. He's actually the Mortgage Educators. Um, he founded this uh, particular company. And thank you, David, so much for joining us. Good morning. How's everybody doing? We're doing fine. We're doing fine. And we would be remiss if we did not take a moment to congratulate you on 40, <laughs> 40 years today of marriage. See, that I mean, is amazing. You've you got to be careful with social media nowadays. Everybody yeah. knows everything. So you always have to be a good person. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, that's a high bar, David. That is certainly a high bar. Um, and I think the companies like PHH know that bar all too well. Um, you know, getting kind of into the weeds a little, uh, you know, congratulations on that. I think about our company being around for 27 years. And then I think about you being in the industry, I think 36, 35, 36 years, um, and being able to sustain a a marriage for that long, that, that is something special. Kim, tell her as well from the housing hour, we say congratulations and grateful to be a part of it. So Thank you again for coming in. We talked last time when you were here uh, a lot about a little 30,000 foot view of the CFPB. It was actually prior to the new C or the new CD and the new LE actually coming out. It was um, being talked about and you gave us some good insight on that. So now we have a new president and we have a new set of things that are now on the top of the surface. Um, But just like we did last time, what I'd like to do before we get into the nuts and bolts of what we're going to talk about, um, go ahead, Dave, if you don't mind, give us that 30,000 foot view of what you do and what it is that mortgage educators compliance actually does. Uh, Well, uh, um, I'll begin with a resume. Uh, I used to be uh, the commissioner, meaning it's a governor appointed regulator over the industry. My partner here is an attorney. She's a compliance attorney. And then to answer the questions that, you know, what is happening, I hope uh, uh, the audience has their seatbelts fastened because there are a lot of changes going to happen in the next five and a half months, a, a, a huge amount of changes. And if you give me just a few seconds more, I'll, I, I will outline them very, very quickly. Okay, go ahead. So, for example, you have Dr. Ben Carson, the Secretary of HUD, talking about you know condo changes. You have the millennial home buyer being the greatest force that's buying homes today, right now. You have the credit bureau. The credit report is changing here in a matter of weeks, where many items of public information are are going to disappear, and the majority of Americans are going to see their credit scores increase next month. You oh, yeah. got on the weekend of July 29th, Fannie Mae coming out with their new version 10.1. And with DU 10.1, you are no longer going to have to uh, uh, resolve disputed items. 
um, on uh, your credit report before you get an, an approval by DU. You've got the new Humda data set rolling out. You've got a brand new 1003. All of this is happening in less than five and a half months. And so if the audience does not have their seatbelts fastened, can we just do a little safety protocol here and make sure arms and legs stay inside that radio frequency while we visit? Because there's a lot of things that are going to change. And also secure your own uh, mask before you secure the mask for the passenger beside you. Right. I mean, it is, it is, I think it's crazy good. Yeah. All of the changes that are going on. I think they are pro consumer. I think they're positive for the industry. Uh, I just don't, there are with with everything, there's two sides to every coin, but uh, overall, if we had to in one word, Dave, are these changes good or bad? I would have to say they're good. So let's even those um, subjects we're going to get into. So you've laid the groundwork, the foundation of what we're going to talk about. And I want to get in a little bit more into that in the second segment. Um, And you are, as what you do, you educate and that's your primary role. And we've talked in the past about what the housing hour is all about. We're here as an instrument to try to be proactive and bring information to the community, realtors, other lenders. Um, you also do that as well by going out and um, holding meetings and educating people in our industry. Um, of course, you you know are hired to do so, and, pe- and companies would be very smart uh, to do that because you do offer a fantastic set of products and services, which you can find on mortgageeducators.com, uh, and we can have that on our website as well. Um, so that being said, all that information, let's step one step back because I remember when Mark and I had someone on and we were talking about the, the upcoming election and who was going to be better for housing. And we had a lot of back and forth. And I know we're not here to discuss necessarily who's better, but there are a couple of things that took us back a little when um, they suspended the FHA up front or the insurance premium, the mortgage insurance premium reduction. When they, when they got rid of the the, de- the deduction, the very, very last thing that right. um, the outgoing uh, administration did with regards to HUD is they dropped the right. mortgage insurance premium. And when Mr. Prez, uh, when Mr. Trump became president, the first action that he did, yeah. I mean, it was almost Literally. immediate, was no, let's at least look at it before we make a change. Okay, so then you had the Treasury take this four-month deep dive into the CF, not just the CFPB, but housing in general, and they came back with, you know, with a whole set of things that they recommended. Um, These things that are going to be happening over the next six months have nothing to do with that report that was just brought forth, you know, not too long ago. Is that correct? You are correct. Okay. So they are revisiting it. Does it make sense? Do we have enough in reserves congressionally on our 2%? Do we have enough? Is this something now that we've looked at that we really can reinstate? Does it make sense? Right. Because I think a lot what we've tried to do, um, and you mentioned that you had visited uh, at one point, a credit union and the manager there did not know what the CFPB stood for. And <laughs> and that raised some alarms, you know, for, for you, I'm sure, but also for many people. Um, I think we've sort of taken the next step and people at least know what that is. But it, it seems to me that what the Trump administration is doing with having the Treasury look into, they feel just as you would expect a, a you know, Republican administration 
to think they feel as though the CFPB has too much power that they are able to unilaterally, you know, make decisions that other, you know, branches of government can't make without the same oversight within the congressional purse, you know, oversight. And so I think the Treasury has made has outlined a lot of different recommendations that have to do with, you know, having Congress, the elected officials go back and sort of maybe maybe undo, but also Remo- maybe modify some of what the Dodd-Frank interpretation was. Are they going to actually repeal Dodd-Frank, do you think? Okay, I get asked that question as I go across America. And as I look at my schedule over the last, say, four weeks, I have been in Memphis, I've been in, in Ohio, I've been in Nevada, I've been in California, I've been in Texas. And so when I give you this answer, uh, I'm, I'm letting you know this is what's going across America. Mm-hmm. So will uh, the Trump administration and this Republican-led um, uh, legislature, will it um, kill the CFPB? The answer is no. Mm-hmm. Will it repeal Dodd-Frank? Again, the answer is no. Uh, will that happen before many of the things that we talked about will go into effect by January 1, 2018? No. But but you have the House recently passing the Financial Choice Act, and the Financial Choice Act does institute some significant changes. If we go back to Harvard law professor Elizabeth um, Warren, um, um, please help me, Warren, Warren. Mm-hmm. who uh, is now Senator Warren, this was her brainchild, her idea that President Obama ran with. In that structure, in the administrative organizational leadership structure, it was never one individual, a director Cordray, it was a committee, it was, it was a group. And you have the Financial Choice Act actually putting it back the way that it was originally structured. President Obama did not get his choice year one, year two. I mean, it, it, it took a little bit of time to get director Cordray uh, as the director of the CFPB. I think and it was director a recess appointment, Director Cordray does not want to go back to the great state of Ohio, having been fired from his previous job at the CFPB. Mm-hmm. So I do not see Director Cordray being fired. Uh, if the Senate passes a, a version like the Financial Choice Act, and again, they have their own agenda, and how long will it take, and what will it look like after it goes through the Senate, it is up for anybody's interpretation. But it does look like it will go to Congress for funding. It will be a, a commission or group as opposed to one single director. They won't. Um, it will be a changed organization moving forward um, than what we're seeing today. Well, that's good. And I want to talk, you know, it, throughout the show, we've got a lot of consumer friendly things that we like to cover. But I think it's good to book in that with the real realities of what is happening. And we're going to continue to do that right here on The Housing Hour with David Luna from Mortgage Educators. We'll be right back. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into The Housing Hour. Kevin Ray here, your host here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Mark, good morning. You haven't said much yet today, but good morning. I just love listening to David. That's what I do. Good afternoon, whatever it is. (laughs) Um, very excited to have David uh, on the show with us. David Luna from Mortgage Educators and, Compl- is it and Compliance. Is that what the actual name is? That yes. is correct. Okay. We, we help people to, to do it the right way, so we help with compliance. 
then that's good. And um, do we have a scheduled event with David sometime in the future? Uh, next February, he's going to be doing a live performance. A live performance. Wow. <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it's required by federal law that we go through class, but I don't think it needs to hurt. And so we try to have a yeah. little bit of a good time as we learn how to be a better professional and better take care of our communities, our families, our 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 borrowers, our referral partners. I, I think it's a win 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 situation. Yeah. And when you have a win win win, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. you know, that's really, really good. Well, you, and and you what almost, he did mm-hmm. on his Facebook page of Mortgage yeah. Educator, they have our banner, which is our picture of our class with David right there. That's so that's awesome. We're we're famous. <laughs> we we tried to get a really, really good picture, Mark, and <laughs> That was a good picture. So we, we all just voted on it, and that, that uh, is what we used. Yeah, that's right. good. I like it. And, um, you know, I, I want to plug, too, because, hey, you know, when you go through those classes and you want to be educated, but you don't want to be put to sleep. And David makes exactly. it feel you, you make it feel like you're going to like a conference. And you're, I feel like it's a sporting event. Yeah, maybe. So. <laughs> I just want to jump up and cheer. Yeah. <laughs> Because you, well, again, we tried to have a good time. Yeah. Uh, I've been referred to as the George Lopez of mortgage education. Oh, wow, <laughs> that's awesome! I'm going to take that as a compliment. I think Mr. Lopez is. Oh, is I a think very he's great. Guy. Oh, absolutely, that's great. Well, um, one of the things that Mark wanted to talk about, and it is so so timely, and I think it's right in your wheelhouse, um, and that is about the administration's budget that was set forth. Um, budgets are important because they set the upcoming fiscal years, you know, what we're going to spend on what, how, what we propose. And so there was a pretty big number that they suggested that we were going to slash from the U S department of housing and urban development. Um, and may, you know, could eliminate some, some affordable housing programs actually. Um, I guess the first question is, do you anticipate there being some tremendous backlash, um, amongst maybe people who depend upon, these programs, and maybe I'm overstating it and overanalyzing it, but talk, tell me what your initial thoughts are when that first came out. Well, I, I think you're referring back to about May. Yeah, May 23rd. When President Trump said, uh, and, and you'll have to help me here because I'm doing this totally from memory, mm-hmm. something like uh, $7 billion. Am I, am I five? 6.2. How much was it? It was a 6.2 reduction in funding for Six, the U.S. Department. 6.2. Yes. Well, you have an an agency, and I'm talking about you know HUD, that is how do I say this delicately? That is behind the times technology wise. Right. Their right. systems, their processes, uh, really, really need updating. So you're going to cut, or you're proposing to cut some uh, monies that are going to go toward necessities, people or necessities. Processes are necessities. Technology continues to change, evolve, update, and their technologies are just are just ancient. Mm. And so it was very interesting. It seems like uh, Secretary uh, Carson was visiting with President Trump, and then almost immediately, I'm thinking less than two weeks later, he was kind of calming industry and saying, "Okay, yes, these are proposed cuts, but." It is not going to be as bad as what we're all thinking. It's not going to be as doom and gloom. We will have to, you know, tighten our belts a little bit, but not necessarily at the expense of people, uh, housing, and programs. Um, How you balance that, well, I guess you're going to need to be a very, very smart administrator, 
which in my opinion, I believe Dr. Carson is. I don't think they hand out you know, degrees like that to um, individuals that are not capable. Mm -hmm. So um, whether uh, it, it you will mean medical affect, degrees? <laughs> um, you know, a significant number of people or not, that is still yet to be seen. Maybe as we start putting the puzzle pieces together, maybe the MIP premium has not dropped so that we can build up reserves, so that we can continue to administer some programs so that people get helped. And so maybe that could be a reason why we have not seen um, uh, the uh, uh, changes that some of us are crossing our fingers hoping to see. Mm -hmm. It's a delicate balance when you have you know, budgets. Well, what do we need to bring in and why? And what is the revenue coming in? And so uh, I do not envy Dr. Carson. It's a very, very difficult situation. But unfortunately, it's a bitter pill if we're trying to get our budget uh, our economy, uh, the deficit, all resolved. Hey, David, I, it seemed like I saw some numbers from FHA as far as their reserves go, and it seemed like they reported, maybe it was the Potomac uh, Partners reported, that it was something like uh, the highest level of reserves in FHA history. I mean, it was just an astronomical figure that they have. Um, are you aware of that? Does that sound right? Um, uh, Congress does do a report that says how much they have in reserves. And again, by congressional um, uh, uh, policy, you know, you have to have 2%. Okay, and when we dropped 2%, we saw an increase in the MIP, the mortgage insurance premium. You are correct. It is um, fat right now. But again, as we were talking about, okay, we need to make some budget cuts. We need to uh, take care of, 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 of the uh, underserved because FHA may at some times be a government program, help those that uh, need uh, this help the most. And so we didn't even touch on the technology. Can some of these monies be used for projects like that? Uh, the budget is extremely complex at HUD. Uh, what the money can be used for, yes. In, in a simple answer, yes. The reserves are, are fat right now, but are they allocated, are they dog-eared for particular programs? Again, people and programs uh, to help those that need help the most. So do I see a great big reduction in FHA moving forward? No. Uh, do I see some changes, like, for example, Dr. Carson uh, talking to realtors, talking to um, you know, at other events is, is saying, you know, we are trying to uh, ease the ability for these first-time homebuyers to get into a condo. Generally speaking, I don't know if, if we can remember back to when we started, uh, we could not afford the, you know, the house on the hill with the view. We had to get something a little more modest. Well, these first-time homebuyers at least are getting off of mom and dad's couch and now getting into something that is theirs and generally, the first step into, into home ownership is maybe a condominium or a townhouse. Another thing I see that they're doing, too, is helping not just take away, but they're also increasing, according to the budget plans, some other uh, maybe strategic programs that they feel might do more 
um, maybe more than the money that was being spent on some of the programs that they'd like to see to, to go away. And, you know, the proposal seeks to eliminate some of these programs, you know, things like they call the, the Community Development Block Grant Program, Choice Neighborhoods Initiative, Home Investment Partnership Program, and the Self-Help Home Ownership Opportunity Program, uh, to name a few, that, that they say in their investigations didn't meet um, and did not give the communities the the level, I guess, of benefit that that they were spending. So it didn't meet the money that they were spending. The 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 return was not what the taxpayer should expect. So I mean, there's going to be some you know some negotiating, some compromise. Obviously, this was a proposal. They're going to get the chips are going to come down, and then people are going to fight for what they feel is right. And ultimately, the decision will be made you know, in the appropriate way, like America is founded. The people who are elected are going to take into consideration what it is that everyone has proposed, and then we're going to get something at the end. What I worry about a little, David, is that um, it doesn't seem like the Trump administration has really been able to pass any legislation of of any substantial um, uh, significance. I mean, you have, we don't need to get into health care, but that's now stuck in the Senate and it's being remade. Donald Trump himself called the bill mean. <laughs> um, so there hasn't been really a proven track record yet that this president can get legislation through Congress, both houses of Congress, and sign bills into uh, law. Uh, he did, he's written several um, presidential, you know, powers, whatever they call executive, executive orders. orders, but those don't count really. Um, unless this is a, a communistic country, which I don't think it is. So I, I concern myself about whether or not we're going to be able to get the support of both sides in the aisle. And, and just like a, any good democracy, David, you're going to find that it's going to, it's going to balance itself out. I think. I would agree. There's always a little bit of compromise. Uh, I think one of the reasons Kim and I have been together so long is you have two different people that have come together in a compromise to establish a new familial relationship. Uh, we now have six kids. Uh, they're all married, gone, and we now have 11 grandchildren. And just yesterday, all of the adults were together for dinner. It's a pretty close-knit family, but it's, it's, it's based on compromise. And so that's what I see happening up in Washington, D.C. right now. Way to bring it full circle. That was an amazing segue. And we'll be right back. After these messages, right here on the Housing Hour. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues. Helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray, your host. Thank you so much for being here. We're thankful for the opportunity to hopefully add some value to your day. We have with us Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host, as well as on the line, a great guest, a wonderful uh, person in this industry, David Luna, celebrating his 40th anniversary today with his wife, Kim, of 40 years that is amazing, and I just definitely uh, tell you, hey, congratulations. That's an amazing accomplishment. Oh, thank you. You Absolutely. guys are very kind. Thank you. And, David, uh, 50 anniversary, you're still going to be very young. That's true. Oh, well, thank you. I, you know, I was I had to go see the doctor yesterday, regular normal physical. Um, you have to give your identifying information. I looked at the guy. He was born 
uh, three years after me, and he looked like he was like 15 years older than I was. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, hmm, marry the right person. Yeah. You know, Kimberly is wonderful, so she yeah. is just amazing. Marry the right person, I think it keeps you young. That's and, awesome. and what's the stone for 40th? What, what's the what? Kidneys, what's the, kidney what's the stones. Stone? <laughs> I'm just kidding. What's the stone? What's the gift for the 40th it's Ruby. anniversary? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, um, well, I, you know, she may be listening, and so we can't, we can't give away secrets. Oh, okay. You know that? It's got to be a surprise. That's, okay. Is that because you don't know or you don't want to give away secrets? <laughs> the Google's right I in front know. of you, David. No, I'm going to say I don't know, you know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, I mean, were you, you must see, have been. See, but right now she has everything she wants, so I don't know that there's a stone. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is kind of private, but I'll go ahead and share it with you guys. Uh, she said, you know what? I need a new car. Ooh. And I said, well, sweetie, what are you thinking? Something, you know, small, something foreign. What do you, what do you think? And a Honda, a Toyota? I mean, something American. What, what do you think? And Tesla. she says, well, you know, it, 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 you know, it's small foreign is what I was thinking, right? <laughs> uh, she goes to the Mercedes dealer and, nice. and buys herself a Mercedes. <gasps> and I'm thinking, uh-huh. well, you know what? She doesn't really ask for much. So maybe, maybe that's Maybe I'm already out of the doghouse. You don't said, need yes, to do anything sure, else. Don't, yeah, you're good. You you guys must have been uh, married um, under age or something because, <laughs> I mean, you're so young. to be, Well, let's move on. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, t- great information. Me and Mark rave about you, and I think that it's a great partnership, and we're so thankful for the opportunity. Um, we were talking, Mark and I, offline about something that you had mentioned earlier, and I remember um, in Active Origination Days, Whenever we dealt with condos, we we seem to have a lot more younger people. You had mentioned that there may be some changes, but it seemed like it was always the younger folks. Not always, but most of the time you would find that it was a younger person that was looking to buy a condo. Um, maybe they didn't want to have to deal with the yard and so forth or whatever, but it was always a bear in certain situations, in certain condos were so difficult to get approved through FHA specifically. Um, and I don't know that conventional was any easier. But um, are there some changes uh, kind of down the pike here on that? Well, I'm kind of thinking yes. Again, just a little bit of easing because, uh, again, if, if you're looking at the industry in general, refinances, again, in general, refinances are gone. And so the only mm-hmm. thing left is purchase. So how do you get purchase business and how do you get purchase business by the people that need it the most? Yeah. With property values increasing, and I'm talking nationally now, with property values increasing and interest rates kind of uh, slightly moving up, it makes it much more difficult to get into a home. So you're not going to get into you know a, a, a really more expensive home if you're a first-time home buyer. And these folks have been sitting on the sidelines. These millennials have been sitting on the sidelines now for years. They are highly educated. They are out uh, getting jobs. Just look at the unemployment figures. They uh, are, are beginning families. And so they really want their own place. And they don't have the lawnmowers and the edgers and the weed eaters right. and, the, and everything else. They are looking for... Uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, right now my, my business, I am still an originator. I, I originate. Uh, 100% of my business is purchased. This morning, I'm talking to Jonas and Stephanie, and what they're doing is they're just looking at that, uh, that townhouse type of a situation to, to be their first home, much like a condo. 
And so you're exactly right. They don't have the tools. They don't have the experience. I mean, is it is it weed be gone that we put on those dandelions or is it Roundup? I mean, and there is a big difference between weed be gone and Roundup. Right. And so rather than even mess with it, do they even own a barbecue as we're getting ready for the 4th of July? Do they even have these things? They're looking at something that's not too far off of rent, which is exactly going to be condos. And I think the administration is looking at it. I'm speaking about HUD. And so, yes, I do see a relaxing on condo requirements and approvals uh, going forward. Is that, that's not going to be in 10.1, is it? Or is it? That's a future state. 10.1 is DU. So Mm. are we talking conventional or are we talking FHA approved through 10.1? Well, right. Exactly. If you're looking at, if you're looking at, you know, just 10.1, last September, you had trended credit data, Mm -hmm. which now looks at the long-term pay habits of borrowers. Now you're removing the disputed items on a borrower's credit report. All again, helpful. Uh, July, um, the beginning of July, you have credit bureaus that will no longer list items of public information like liens or judgments. If we cannot identify that that lien or judgment is our borrower, then it must be removed. And so I see all of these things helping the borrower get into their first home, and the National Association of Realtors are telling us that about a third, this is nationally now, of new uh, uh, first-time home buyers are all millennials. So millennials are really moving the needle uh, in just about everything, whether it be Amazon, the way we watch TV, the way we purchase uh, property, the, the way that uh, the, the kind of automobiles that we drive, maybe a more hybrid or electric, or electric car. These millennials, there are so much of them, more than baby boomers are, they can move the needle. They decide to do one thing or another, it shifts. And NAR is telling us that these are the people that are buying uh, one out of three homes right now in America. Maybe it's just a lack of information on my part and maybe some ignorance combined with that. But when you're doing a condo for someone, one of the first things is that you would make sure that that project is approved through FHA. And that's Correct. that's a human intelligence gathering type of operation more than it is an automated underwriting system per se. But if you, if in the future, future state somehow we were able to relax what was required to, you know, get a condo, you know, association approved, approved, then, then you, you limit the human intelligence gathering and having to find out how many investment property owners own this, how many, um, you know, actual homeowners are, primary residents, you know, that was always the big deal and where, you know, maybe um, the two individuals who you're working with, they, they don't need to know about all that. They just need to know, hey, can we do it or can we not do it? But it's sure yeah, they don't really care. They don't care. So, so yeah. you know, I, I've been asked to talk about the differences between the 4155 and the 4000.1. Mm-hmm. The 4000.1 did relax, you know, these condo requirements. You're looking at mortgagee letters. And you know how many times in a new project you have the builder owning most of the units, which is kind of the kiss of death because right. the builder could drop them and drop the value and really affect it. Where you're seeing the percents again be more in favor of these uh, first-time home buyers. Mm, so yeah. uh, the relaxing by HUD and specifically the FHA program we have already seen. For example, in the percentages of ownership, 
uh, in uh, condo uh, projects. That's so we're good. already starting to see the direction move to be a little easier for Bob and Betty borrower. That's good. And that's also for those that you find, you know, there's so many properties in the downtown Knoxville area, the downtown Nashville area, Memphis, and all across this great country that these builders have come in and invested time, effort, and money to try to revitalize this downtown, these downtown areas. But then when when it comes to financing, it's like there's a brick wall and it's not a loft type wall. It's a wall of regulation and a wall of, Hey, you can't do this until you have this many, you know, actually sold. And those type of things I think are preventing not just, um, originators to be able to make the American dream come true, but also it's preventing revitalization in these, these blighted areas because builders are hesitant to come in because they know that it's going to take an act of Congress literally and figuratively to get their borrower approved. So, you know, those type of things, I hope that will be, you know, we, we just need to have good decision makers in a place to make those decisions. And Hey, guess what? If you have a good mortgage company, David, you, you know, as well as I do, I mean, Lisa Wiles downtown, I mean, she makes it happen. You know, if there's a condo down there, she'll take care of it and she'll figure out an alternative plan. And just like you, David, you know, you have tools in your tool belt and sometimes you have to bring out a different tool to try to help this borrower because they don't, they don't care about all of that. They care about, Hey, when am I going to close? Right. 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 Do, am I approved? Can I move in? You know, things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And the prevention of being able to buy a loft apartment down in the downtown area, you know, those are the things that I would love to see sort of uh, eased up. And, and I think that that's where we're going. So we're going to continue. We have one more segment left with David. Amazing how fast this hour has already went. Not nearly as fast as the last 40 years has went for David. But we're going to continue this conversation with him right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray. I'm with uh, the Housing Hour right here for you. One hour long show. You can find us on thehousinghour.com. Also, we can give you the do- the download of the podcast. If you go to the app store on your iPhone, you can download your podcast app. Go to iTunes. You can subscribe to us, and it will show up on your phone magically every week. You don't have to do anything, and voila, you can automatically listen to us. And if you have one of those smart cars like David's wife just purchased, you can even listen to that podcast right there in her Mercedes-Benz S500, probably. Um, one of the, what color? Don't what give color? her ideas. Don't yeah. give her ideas. Right. But we have David Luna in uh, or on the phone with us with um, Mortgage Educators and Compliance. You can check out his website. We'll have it on ours as well. Uh, we've had him on the show before. Actually, this morning on the treadmill, I listened to the show and, and I got re-energized and enthused and very enthusiastic about today's show because I knew you would bring it. And it's good information and companies, you know, selfishly speaking, you know, you're only one person and it's hard for you to stretch yourself around. And I know you have a great team of people that do also offer 
because you can't do every class, right? So you you have right. a team of people that help you. Is that correct? You want to elaborate yeah. on that real quick? We now have 22 instructors. We wow. hired four more. So we have now 22 instructors uh, to go around the country and help us. That's wonderful. Well, I guess compliance is in these additional regulatory agencies is something that benefits people like mortgage educators compliance. Um, we've hired just in our own company five uh, additional compliance officers um, in a company in a company the size of ours. We have um, roughly 400 employees, um, and our retail um, volume is about two billion dollars. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, compliance can be good and it can also be a stretch and a burden, burdensome on companies. And I know that that credit union that didn't know who the CFPB was, they certainly know now. Um, they sure do. And, I think everybody knows now. Right. So even though we've had to hire new folks and we've had to hire new compliance people, I, I tell you, and I may be sticking my neck out of the line a little bit here. Um, and, and please, Mark, disagree with me um, if you need to. But I think that what has happened over the last, you know, five years, 10, whatever, since 2008, coming up on 10 years, amazingly, um, I think at the end of the day, it has been it has been beneficial for the end user, the borrower. Um, would you agree with that overall? I would agree. I, yeah. I and, and I may be unpopular when I say this. I, yeah. I think the CFPB has done some good things. I think. Uh, anything to protect the borrower, some disclosures, yes, we, we didn't do it that way before. But you know what? The two things that we know for sure will always occur would be change, right? And I don't even want to mention the other one because that means if, uh, you know, that means I'm getting older. <laughs> but, um, but change is always going to happen. The new 1003, it hasn't been updated in 20 years. Humda changes. I mean, change is always going to happen. And I think change is good. So CFPB has done some good things. I think they do need to be reined in a little bit. Mm -hmm. I do think that some of the proposed changes by uh, Jeb Henserling in the Financial Choice Act are good. But uh, again, let's just see maybe for a different show what the changes were, what happened. Mm, yeah. And I think also with the new Humda thing, the data sets that, you know, I, I guess that kind of goes hand in hand with the 1003 remodel, I, I would think, because there's new elements of data that we'll need to uh, pass on to Humda, and maybe it exists already. But I think even that will help us to be able to tell our story more effectively to the folks who regulate us and to say, here's what we're doing, and here's the due diligence that we have put into place. And so anytime you can make, you can marry technology with you know, companies like ours that I feel are doing the right thing, you know, the cream rises to the top. I think you'll see if we were given the opportunity, which we are several times per year through our audits, um, that we're doing the right thing. So a lot of this is, is just old hat. We know we have to do things the right way. And, and, you know, consumers, when they are out there thinking about, okay, I got to get a mortgage, I got to get a mortgage. You know, we've elevated ourselves from a public relations standpoint in 2008 we were sub i think used car lot dealer sort of <laughs> signification or identification now i think we've upgraded ourselves to above that to just maybe above butcher status like you know that you well, have at the supermarket we are licensed professionals that require yes. testing and fingerprint yes. and background checks and continuing education and so I'm going to disagree with you and say I, I, I think we provide a very, very valuable help mm -hmm. to people. Again, the couple that I was talking to this morning, the Harlows, 
I mean, they're they're getting their first home. They're starting their family. This mm. is um, this is a big step for them. And I don't think that um, that just anybody can do what we do. No. This this industry, this business is hard. Yeah, and I guess I was talking more about perspective than reality, um, right. because my my reality is is that we're helping provide the American dream, and that's not just talk. We really do. We try about on the average seven to eight hundred new families per per month and put them in a new home. And it, it means a lot to me personally, because we've been with this company for so long. I know Mark since 1994, you know, we have a lot of vested interest in making sure that people get treated the right way. And, you know, big brother government is always going to be there to make sure of that. And so I'm okay with that, but I also agree with you though. And Mark, what do you think? Do you, cause I know you have a very good perspective. You've done a lot of research on this. Do you think that Yes, it's been better, but maybe let's rein in some of the powers that the CFPB has by unilaterally adding fines to PHH, for instance, um, just based upon the judge's order and extrapolating out of that what they needed to increase by like uh, several million dollars. Well, I, I think these changes have been positive. I've always embraced them. I've, I've loved really everything that they've done. There are some things that... I, I think they lose perspective on. And David, you could probably address this. Every time the government changes something in our industry, there is an absolute cost to the, the little guy out in the, the small business and the cost to adopt to something. And I think sometimes our government, although these regulations have been great for the consumer and they're really great in general, sometimes they lose perspective that this costs money to implement. And some of these hits are taken at the small small business guy on at the local level and it's really hurtful i agree i mean you just said that you had to hire five more compliance people now i don't know about you but i don't think you're a charity and i don't think you're a (laughs) non-profit and i'm assuming these people also are trying to feed their families there is a cost to the implementation when president trump says okay 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 you want to propose new changes then eliminate two old changes so Mm. it's it's a growth. It's a change. I mean, this is what we do. And, and uh, fortunately, some of us um, do it very, very well. Like MIG, you, you guys do a good job. Well, I appreciate that very much. And I, I, one of the things, too, we talked about the last time um, and we, we touched on it this morning, you know, with there being so much coming out and we're going to put a blog together on this and add some links. And Mark does a fantastic job with that. But, you know, you mentioned all these different things, the credit scores going up, the enhancements to the 10.1, the Humda data set, the new 1003, removing the um, credit, the, the liens and judgments. I'll be honest, that was news to me, that part of it. So what what I think that we as lenders should do is to take a page out of Mortgage Educators Compliance Handbook and do a better job of not just educating our own sort of employee base in our own sales force, which is important, but also step up to the plate and do what it is like the housing hour is doing and engage with the community. Now, the community doesn't always want to hear about mortgage regulation. Sometimes they want to build a relationship for life with you, and that sometimes doesn't mean explaining to them what the CFPB means. But at the end of the day, the reason you guys go out and do the classes on site is because it's about relationships. And I think at the end of the day, that's what it is for us too. So in a nutshell – Again, I'm trying to watch the minutes tick by quickly. I mean, does this help the borrower? Yes. But let me just change it. You know, does this increase the risk for lenders? If judgments, 
and liens and disputed mm. items are not going to be included, did we really help the borrower? So, you know, as I began, I, I think many of these changes are very, very, very good. With a change, there is always a positive and a negative side to it. Let's see what the results of the loosening of, of these guidelines, uh, you know, what is the end result? What happened? Was it, were we too concerned? Is it necessary? Uh, again, I'm going to stick by my original point and say, yes, these changes are good. I mean, if, it, if the item really isn't attributable to you, it's not your lien, it's not your judgment, well, then heaven forbid, why is it showing up on your credit report? People, right. that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. I agree with the, that. If the item's disputed and we need to take it off, well, then we need to take it off. And so these changes, I think, are good. And, and I think that the title companies will play a vital role in making sure there's not a lien that's going to take first lien position on our mortgage as well. But, hey, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful hour. And uh, definitely on behalf of Mark for helping us get this take, get this show actually on the books. Thank you to you, David, and, and thank Kim for giving you an hour to come speak with us. Yes, sir. Thank you. Absolutely. And we'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.